We the people. We the people. We the people of the United States. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law, and to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusations, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution. It is Constitution Thursday, the Saturday podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Pat. I'm Jeff. And this is a unique broadcast in the history of Constitution Thursday, the Saturday podcast, or Constitution Thursday in general. Glad to have you along this afternoon. Remember, if you have a comment, complain, I'll just keep dropping letters today. I don't know what the deal is. Complaint, whatever. You want to question podcast at constitutionthursday.com is the uh, the email address the website constitutionthursday.com we'd love to hear from you so i mentioned that this is uh a little bit unique of a broadcast. I don't know that we can cap. This is like the well, technically, this is the third time we've we've done this now because we did we did this entire Sixth Amendment case once. We entered, we started doing it again, and now we're on the third take of this, which is a little unusual. Normally, we do these in one take, and we just say whatever comes out is what you get. But just roll with it, baby. Right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's uh, that's always kind of been my my approach to this because everything in this is extemporaneous. Everything is off the top of our. We do prep. I mean, geez, Pat's got like twenty five pages worth of stuff here. <laughs> Jeff well, has that's books. What lawyers do. I have a thing that says ports logs on it. <laughs> uh, but normally, that normally it's very extemporaneous, and, and, and while there's a lot of prep that goes into it, we try to keep it as live feeling as we could. We. Uh, Somebody, I'm not going to point fingers or name names, screwed up the uh, the original recording and completely cut Jeff out of the first segment. So we did this whole thing, and Jeff and, and there's this, these segments where Jeff is talking, and what you hear is, uh huh, yeah, uh huh, yeah, that's right. I've never sounded any better, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so we thought, well, my wife would say that. And, and after today. and after listening to the rest of it, I thought, man, there's there's so many different ways I could have gone with this anyway. So right. I thought we, we we just thought we'd just do the whole thing over again, which of course started with me ex- uh, explaining that what we do here on Constitution Thursday is we teach the Constitution as it is, as it's been interpreted, as it's been applied, not as we wish it were, not as we want it to be. And many times, the, there's a lot of stuff here you're going to find that you just don't like, and. It's okay to not agree with it. I, the whole purpose of this is to stimulate debate, argument, discussion, questions, all that kind of stuff. It's okay if, the, if, you, if there's something you hear in the news or whatever and you, you don't like it. That's fine. 
But what we're not going to do is go into the attitude of, well, that's not constitutional, when in fact it is or isn't, as the case may be. And and that kind of ticks people off sometimes, but that's that's that intellectual honesty element of this. What's well, currently constitutional, at least. And or how, originally. And how it plays in today's market. Right, right. Which, again, as we've seen in recent news, uh, not... Uh, doesn't seem to be the approach sometimes that people take. And I, I, I guess that it annoys me in some ways. It frustrates me in other ways. And it, it leads to a whole lot of unnecessary arguments, in my opinion. But there you go. You have, uh, you have those kinds of things in there. So I, did either of you guys go back and listen to, the, uh, to what was on the tape? Minus Jeff, of course. We had, it was a very fascinating discussion. And I like what we did. But having listened to it, I think we need to go in an entirely different direction with it. Okay. What direction? Well, we go back to, there's so much stuff here. Let's, let's start with the case. I mean, Pat, the, uh, the case is called Kaylee versus United States. Correct. And this is a couple and or their associates. Right. Couple and coworkers. Who are accused of stealing medical devices. Accused of stealing prescription medical devices and selling them illegally. Right. And we had a conversation about what those were. We don't know. Yeah, but we, we assume that they're devices that are medical in nature that require a prescription. Right. They stole them, sold them. Well, they alleged, allegedly stole them. All right. Allegedly stole them, allegedly made a profit laundering I this money. I, I, I will say this again. You're such a lawyer. God. I feel like that's and, like the fourth or fifth time you've said that. Uh, and, and you'll be glad when I say Jeff is allegedly guilty rather than <laughs> telling the that, DA, yeah, he's yeah. guilty. Then you can be my boy. Does that, oh, and that's where I want to go with this whole thing today because having re-listened to it, Man, there were a lot of uh, a lot of interesting questions in this case. So, what did you tell us about the case? What happened? So, basically, the Kayleys, uh, Mrs. Kaylee, and then her husband were under investigation by a grand jury. So, they hired some attorneys to help them in the grand jury investigation, and of course, that cost a lot of money. Uh, they took a home equity line of credit out on their house, did a lot of other things to try and get money. After a couple of years, the grand jury finally indicts them. And as part of the indictment process, also basically freezes all of their assets, which obviously is a familiar thing. You know, you see that happen with organized crime and drug dealers and all of that. The problem that Kaylee's had with it is it was done in what's called an ex parte hearing, which basically means the grand jury, that the government lawyer was there telling the judge freeze these assets. But the Kayleys didn't have anybody present to argue their side, to argue, well, is there really enough evidence to justify freezing their assets ahead of time? And that's all they really wanted. Throughout this case, the only thing the Kayleys are really arguing is we should be able to go in front of a judge, have their attorney on one side, our attorney on the other side. We argue whether the evidence is strong enough to justify freezing the assets or putting the assets in the control of some sort of trustee or something. And if the judge decides against us, we understand that's the law. But their argument is we don't think it's fair that the government just gets to take all of our money away so that we now can't pay for our lawyers and can't defend ourselves, and we never got a say in it at all. So eventually this this argument goes before the Supreme Court, yes, and the Supreme Court, Court, the Supreme Court says what? what it, it seems hinky. I mean, the government's yeah. freezing your assets. The, the Supreme Court basically comes down, and I think we talked about this before that it was, uh, it was this case, wasn't it, that had, yeah, the very unusual lineup of justices. You had, you know, Scalia, Kennedy, Thomas, Ginsburg, Alito, and Kagan all together in the majority. And I don't know how often you get that many people, those people together on an opinion. And they basically said, 
cool with us. The grand jury wouldn't possibly have indicted them without probable cause. And therefore, it's perfectly fine that they froze their assets and that they don't get a hearing. Now, to be fair, the Cayleys could get a hearing to determine if the asset was connected to the alleged criminal activity. So they could say, hey, we bought this house 20 years before any of this ever happened. There's no way that was connected to it. But they could not get a hearing before the judge just to argue, hey, is there enough evidence to justify this? Supreme Court said it was fine. Which means what to us today? What does that mean to Jeff when he's allegedly accused of, of selling something and well, in laundering theory, the... Well, in theory, it means if the government wants to, they can basically freeze all of your assets, and so therefore you don't have the money to hire a really high-quality attorney, which, especially in a case like this, you're going to need somebody that's a real high-quality attorney who, who knows what they're doing, who's had this kind of case before. You're basically then potentially just dependent on whatever lawyer the government provides. But but I think this is where we went down the other road that... Yeah, I want to get there in a minute. Okay. I, I, but the other question I had was, does it say anything in the decision about who this applies to and what kind of... I mean, all right, so they've got millions that they locked it, up. I don't have millions, but I've got hundreds. What if they decide to as, freeze my hundreds? What's the, what's the criteria for freezing those The assets? criteria basically has to be if there is reasonable suspicion that the money was connected to your criminal activity. If there's probable that cause. That just seems really broad to me. It does. And, you know, that's... You, you know, know, you put gas in a car, and if you use the car in a bank robbery, then putting gas in the car, which costs money, would seem connected, right? Right, which... So then can the government go... I mean... As a practical matter, they're not going to go after your hundreds or my tens. But You say now. But there's another issue here, isn't there? And that is, well, we, we, there's some hinkiness here that I don't like. And the more I've thought about this, the more it just upsets me that the, the, the way the government handled this to begin with and the Supreme Court upholding it seems to open the door for very Star Chamber-esque exactly. approaches and, to things. Well, if I'm correct, this case is not necessarily about what we're talking about today is not necessarily about what what the Kayleys did, but it's how, in your mind, and how it's read here, is that they're not able... It, it's how they froze the assets exactly. as opposed to the fact that they can freeze the assets. It's how they froze the assets and what they did with them. I mean, as I say, the Kayleys basically were saying, we've got, you know, well, I'm sure they would prefer not to have their assets frozen at all, obviously, but their their argument legally was... We understand if we go before the judge and our side, their side argues one way and our side argues the other way and the judge decides against us, you know, we get it. There's that's that's the law. But to just have this basically happen while we don't know what's going on. And the the first time we find out that our assets have been frozen is when we go to the ATM and stick our card in the ATM machine and it says, nope, no money. They don't think that's fair. And I tend to agree with them. Don't you also hate that feeling? You think that you have money in your bank accounts, only to find out that the government has frozen it. And if the government can take your assets before you are found guilty, aren't they really just saying that you are guilty, before they even take you to trial? Alright, so Pat says he, uh, he's not convinced that this argument is the right way it's it's got a little chilling effect in the sense of well the government can freeze your assets ex parte which means pat it means basically their lawyers there and your lawyers not 
So I have some questions about two. I mean, I mean, when this case first came down, I I just couldn't imagine the court deciding it the way they did. Why? What What was it that stuck out in your mind about this that that said to you this decision should have gone the other way? Just the general cause. Justice, I mean, I think Justice Roberts puts it really well. You know, it basically it undermines the whole concept of you know presumed innocent before guilty and the concept, as it says, you know, in the Sixth Amendment, you have the right to counsel, but if they take all of your money away and basically you get the government-paid-for lawyer, public defender with 57 cases on his desk, are you really getting the kind of representation you need? And, you know, I I could have seen them going with, okay, because you understand why they froze, want to freeze assets in a lot of cases. You've got organized crime bosses, drug dealers, you don't want the money disappearing, but, you know, put it in, freeze it, and then go before the judge and argue your case, freeze it, and put it before a trustee, something like that. So, so let me ask you a question here. If, so they, they did this trial of assets via ex parte. Right. At that point, can't the grand jury then appoint them a new lawyer? The grand jury could appoint them a new lawyer, but the lawyer would be whatever well, the government would appoint them a lawyer. The grand jury wouldn't actually do it, but yeah, the government. So, so they have the assistance of counsel for right. the Sixth Amendment. It doesn't say that you have the assistance of the top-notch. Well, it depends, though, on what does assistance mean. I mean, does, you know, does assistance, I mean, you know, you could ask me to come over to your house and give you assistance repairing your truck, but I'm not going to be <laughs> providing you with assistance repairing your truck. Yeah, but isn't there a different... A different standard here. Um, me asking you to repair my truck or my computer or my washing machine is one thing because, well, it just is, which is a ridiculous argument, I realize, but it's kind of like popcorn, only it's not. In the case of a lawyer, however, you, like doctors, like other professionals, have gone through college law school, right? a bar exam, right? and continual monitoring and upgrade. Continuing education. There's, there's a regulation here right, that, but... that makes sure. So th- this this argument of effective counsel is always one that comes up uh, on a fairly regular basis. Any, anytime somebody loses a trial, oh, my counsel sucked. My counsel was bad. My counsel was ineffective. But I guess what I'm driving at is, does experience automatically equal effective because mm-hmm. I, I'm not convinced that they do. Well, experience doesn't necessarily, but does for, cost but automatically equal effectiveness? Well, cost doesn't necessarily equal effective, but cost is frequently necessary for knowledge. I mean, just to use the analogy you were just talking about with doctors and lawyers. I mean, all doctors go through college and medical school and training, but I don't want my GP removing a brain tumor because he doesn't have the specialized skills necessary to do. He knows what the brain is and he knows the basics of the procedures, but right, he doesn't really know what he's let's doing. Let's take it out of that realm then and say, okay, criminal defense attorneys, all criminal defense attorneys, all brain surgeons, all general practitioners, all ophthalmologists, you know, order it by specialization. Right. To say that anybody that's in that specialization is not effective because they don't have the experience that someone else has seems to me to fly in the face of, of why we go through all this process to get there. And I understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm just, I'm disturbed partly because of the effective counsel argument. I'm also disturbed because on, in this case, because 
by freezing those assets and saying you can't use those assets because they stem from criminal activity, that's presuming before the trial that the criminal activity actually took place. It's under it's under investigation. That's what they're going to the trial for. I mean, I, I can see the part about freezing assets. As you said, they freeze assets of drug dealers. Right. They, and, and is that guy guilty before before the trial? They're doing the same thing. So the grand jury has come back to a point where they've indicted them. As I say, I've, I've watched enough Law and Order to, to understand this a little bit, <laughs> but they, they've come across... They, they've come across thank enough you to for, where... Thank you for summarizing my entire career into <laughs> in, I sit in front of the TV and watch Law and Order. In 48 minutes. <laughs> exactly. But they, um, they've come to a conclusion. They've, they've presented enough evidence to where they think something's going on, therefore they're going to go right. put it in front of a trial. So they've come to the conclusion on the but grand jury that... There's enough evidence. It doesn't pass well, the smell test. Well, but again, they've come to that conclusion because they've had one guy for the government saying, look at all these horrible, awful things in this trail of evidence. They've not had the Cayley's attorney in there saying, well, wait a minute. You know, that, you know, the guy's trying to make that look suspicious, but here's the explanation. And that's well, all the Cayleys are asking for is. Yeah, but neither does the drug dealer. Neither does the Don. Neither does. Well, any, and I'm not. I watched The Godfather. Well, that. and. And. I would go. I would, you know, to be consistent. I would say the drug dealer or the don should have the right to go before the judge and have one attorney on one side, one attorney the, on the other side. But this is just the grand jury to find out if there is probable cause, right? To to bring it forth to a trial. So, it, as long as far as I know, there is no defendant representation in a grand jury, right? Ever, which is, is that correct. Which is why, in in my view, in the view of the de- the dissent here. If you're going to freeze your assets, you're going to take that's a pretty significant step. And they don't freeze assets every time a grand jury indicts. Correct. So why not have this hearing before the judge? And again, if the judge looks at it, and like you're saying, if the judge looks at it and says, this doesn't pass the smell test, I've listened to your lawyer's argument, but it still looks hinky to me. The assets are frozen. Then we're done. You know, that's that's enough. But so to do it when your side doesn't have any input is unfair to me. So do you think there should have been two separate trials, one for the indictment and then one for the the freezing of assets? Well, not two trials, but there should have been a hearing. Two hearings. Two hearings. And I mean, in trials, there are dozens of, I mean, way, as you probably, you know, remember from the OJ case, maybe, you know, way before it actually goes before the jury, there are all kinds of procedural, technical right. hearings before the judge that's just the two lawyers. I just believe uh, that in a case like this, they should at least have the right to say to the judge, hey, here's why our assets shouldn't be frozen. Well, I would imagine they probably pulled their passports and everything else. And everything else. Yeah, yeah they, did that for, uh, they did that for Leland Yee, too. They pulled his passport. Who is that again? Leland Yee. <laughs> Leland, who, who is he? <laughs> You're going to make me do it. <laughs> you brought the name up. We didn't. Exactly. So he's the guy that's allegedly importing illegal Russian firearms through the New Jersey mob to the California triad gangs to protect their outdoor, environmentally unsafe marijuana grows and using the profits to fund the MILFs, not what you think, in the Philippines to kill and torture Chinese and Malaysian tourists. I I still say (laughs) I thought MILF was Muslim Liberation Force. You would think that, but it's not what he thinks. And then I said something like the fact of, 
what if it's actually what I thought? What right. Be? Then it would be Which kind didn't of weird. Make the tape because <laughs> at that point, his microphone was not on, nor was his wife sitting right next to him. So. <laughs> Shaking her head and looking all that. There's so many questions here that are raised by this whole process, Pat. And I think we need to get into some of these, Jeff. We need to we need to start pulling this apart. But I want to start with this grand jury process. The United States is the only country in the world that uses the grand jury process. And if you're at all familiar with it, the idea here is that the grand jury in secret looks at the evidence. This is what normally would be the equivalent here in California, I guess, of a, a preliminary evidentiary hearing. Is there, is there cause to, right. to charge this person? No, and we're used to seeing that with a judge. There's sufficient cause to, over, to bind over the defendant for, for a criminal trial. Right. You know, remanded to custody or their own recognizance. Uh, the federal government uses not that system. They use this grand jury system. And I don't know how many people are aware of this. Federal Rule of Criminal Procedure 6. Getting blank stares. So I'm, I'm not Nobody a in this room attorney. knows this. Um, it requires that the grand jury be, requ- be composed of 16 to 23 members. So you got to have somewhere between those and a federal grand jury. How many of those do you think have to concur to get the indictment? Half plus one. I'm, I'm, that would seem fair, right? That would seem fair, but I'm guessing it's less than that. It's 12. 12 out of 26? 12 out of 16 to 23. Oh. Well, so have to concur. Well, so that's either at 23, it's a half plus one. or it's Yeah, six, but what if it's 16? Then it's three fourths. Three fourths. Right. Uh, the grand jury is instructed to return an indictment if probable cause standard has been met. The grand jury's decision is either a true bill resulting in indictment or a no truth bill so forth and so on. These proceedings are norm- are necessarily, quote-unquote, done in secret, and there is no defense, no judge. None of that is present. The only thing there is the prosecutor. That's it. It, it does have a very star chamber yeah, sort of I tell feel. you, for, for such a process, now, again, it's not the trial. So there's an element here that I say, okay, I understand that. But like anything, it has the the possibility of abuse, and it, and, and that's what I'm seeing in this case right, right here. And you know the, what I forget which I think it was Ray Donovan who was a secretary, cabinet secretary under Reagan that got accused of a bunch of stuff and was found innocent. And his question to the reporters was, "Where do I go to get my reputation back?" So even even if you're not convicted, once you're indicted by a grand jury, isn't that always going to kind of Right. Well, and, and hang don't you, over you. And don't you know that you're being put in front of a grand jury? I mean, most of the, not, I mean, the necessarily. Kayleys, not necessarily. The Kayleys knew that they were going. Well, to they knew, well, but you don't necessarily always know. A, did they know when that was happening? Well, they knew. And yeah, they there's knew. some other questions that I have about that process because there's there's some there's some things here that just really so, bug me. And the more I listened to our previous version of this, the more questions I started putting in my head because there's some real issues here to me in this process. I mean. So are we asking maybe whether the grand jury process even is... Only 22 states use the grand jury process. And some of those states limit themselves to civil grand juries. So they don't actually um, they don't actually do them for criminal process, like here in California. Right. We'll get to that coming up. In the hey, Dave. Turn off your cellular telephone during Constitution Thursday recording sessions. While the Constitution says that the grand jury process is the proper procedure, it does not define how that process is required to work, as long as it doesn't violate an individual's rights. So, 
with adding a defense barrister to the grand jury hearing, help ensure that the government doesn't get carried away to a star chamber? Let's um, let's ask some questions. Now, the grand jury process is constitutional. It's called for in in the amendments of grant presentment of uh, indictment by grand juries, so forth and so on. This, I don't have any problem with that as the process, but but the Constitution also doesn't define how the grand jury works. It just says you can have one. Fine. I'm thinking, you know, is it implied if, you know, a few sentences later they have the right to assistance of counsel? Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't that sort of, doesn't that potentially imply that you can have a grand jury, but the grand jury, the accused should have representation of counsel at the grand jury level? Well, and that's my question, because the Sixth Amendment says in all criminal proceedings, which is what we're talking about here. Right. The accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial. Now, can I make the argument, first off, that Speedy doesn't give the government the right to investigate something for two, two years before they decide to take it to an indictment level, to a grand jury? I mean, isn't there an implication there that, I mean, theoretically, I know a police, uh, not theoretically, I know a police officer who I shan't name, but who has told me to my face that, hey, I can follow anybody in my car for a mile and find something wrong to pull them over with. If the government isn't limited as to how long they can investigate something, or how many times, or they how can, many times they can investigate, they investigate it, it for only six months, but they do it twelve times in a row, how is that a speedy and public trial then for whatever but, I'm accused of? But that's not a trial; that's an investigation. I get that, but it's part of the whole process here. And again, if I can investigate Jeff, we could investigate Jeff from Jeff. Oh, the things we would uncover! <laughs> but if we could do it indefinitely until no we comment. find something. I mean, how long does it take to, to unravel this stuff, well, I guess is well, what I'm saying. But how long can we investigate you before we go, all right, let's go to the grand jury now because we think we can get 12 votes out of 16, 24, 18, whatever it is. And then, I mean, they investigated these people for how long? Two, Two years. years that they know of. And probably before probably that. Probably before that. And which I suppose raises the question, when does the investigation really become a trial? I mean, if if you're having to pay for attorneys to try and work with the prosecutors, well, isn't that basically a trial? Well, if that's the case, then, and, and, and I see where you're going, does that mean attorney has to be pre- present every time they pull a, a search warrant? If we're going to say this is part of the process, the first question I have is how long can the government just willy-nilly investigate? Now, I'm assuming somebody's overseeing this up to this point because we've got to, surely they had to have search warrants, they had to have... Oh, I was somewhere in that process. I haven't dug deep into the grand. I have to assume they have all of that. Two years later, they go into a grand jury, a federal grand jury, where they there's no representation except the prosecutor who can take this two years worth of investigation, summarize it in such a way, presenting no, not required to present any exculpatory information, to get an indictment from the jury, from twelve people. He's not required to stand there and say, you know, we think that they did this. However. This might indicate that they didn't. Yeah, but but if that's the case, that means all of us are going to have a lawyer. You'll be happy about this. All of us will have to have a, a lawyer on on retainer twenty four seven to follow us around. I mean that 
you know, an, an effective, effective attorney, not an, not well, just any attorney. You got to have sorry, an effective that attorney. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was about to say it to beat you to it. <laughs> I threw his pad out. Yeah. But I mean, so I, I see you have to have some sort of, I'm going, I don't believe I'm going this way. You have to have some sort of, um, how do I want to put this? I'm trying to think of how I want to word this. There's got to be a, a presumption of innocence, like you always said. Mm-hmm. Okay, like you, like you said earlier. But you can't always be living in fear, walking around. I mean, I, I know surveillance breeds conformity. I, I get that, but you can't always walk around thinking the fact of, uh, oh, I I, uh, I spit on the on the, you know, on the street. They're gonna they're gonna arrest me for littering or something. Well, so, but I mean, is there a dividing line though? I mean, you you talk about search warrants. Well. You know, getting a search warrant so that they can't, you know, because they suspect you've got something. And so this morning they get the search warrant. This afternoon they come and search your car. They f- presumably find nothing. And so at the end of the day, you know, it's done. And your inconvenience has been, you know, whatever time it took them to search the car versus two years of being under investigation. Isn't there a point where we go beyond, okay, we can't have every single thing with lawyers in the room, but at some point, it becomes investigative enough that it's effectively a trial. Well, it also it also defines the word speedy. I mean, if you're going to be, if you need to build a case and you've got evidence that's over two years, I mean, who knows that they weren't doing this for the entire two years and that's why they were under investigation for two years because she sold something allegedly, you know, on, on January 1st and then, you know, six months later, Allegedly, she sold something differently. So they're building the case to make sure that they go to the grand jury to say, well, we have these 18 incidents over two years, and, and that's why we're bringing her to trial. It, it, just, it is interesting, you know, the speedy trial issue, how long trials have gotten these days. Part of that, and I understand this, part of that is the defense. The defense strategy now is right. to lengthen things out. But here we have a clear case of the government delaying this. Right, which is not supposed to happen. Well, and, well, and even even with the defense stretching it out, I was watching C-SPAN. I think last night or the other, a couple nights ago, and they were interviewing one of the Watergate investigators and pointed out that if you look at everything that happened with Watergate, all of the investigations, all of the trials, the Supreme Court, the whole shebang, they basically did that in two years, mm-hmm. from beginning all the way from to break the break-in well, to resignation, right at two years. Yeah, so, and. Here, there are two years of investigation. Before we but, ever even got to grand jury. But there's a difference between investigation and trial. I, I, mean, I get that. I, I understand that. And, and, you know, you've got people now, we can even argue, is it unconstitutional to have people go in as an informant under undercover? Because aren't you, aren't you, you know. Entrapping. Entrapping somebody for that? You could be. But, I mean, in, in, in this case, and here's my problem, Jeff, and this is where I'm falling down on this. How long, what limits the government? as to how long they can investigate Chatroom Jeff, Pat the Lawyer, or Dave before they go to a secret proceeding where they present no exculpatory evidence whatsoever. None. Dave shot his brother once. His brother is now dead. Indict or not? Okay. What's the evidence? Doesn't matter. I don't have to tell you. I'm the prosecutor. This is a grand jury proceeding. Dave did shoot his brother. That is a fact. On on June 22nd, 1982, Dave shot his brother. Dave's brother is now dead. And, and die or not die? 
potentially there's an indictment because they they have indicted people for deaths that take place decades after the incident. The prosecutor's not required to tell that grand jury that I shot him with a BB gun in the arm and that he died of a stroke. They're not required to do that. Yeah, but I think... think How long can they investigate me for something to the point where they can then present evidence in that manner, in secret... To get an indictment that then compels me and then frees my assets and say, I can't hire Pat the lawyer because I can't afford him anymore. How is this not Star Chamber-esque? How is this what the framers intended? Yeah, but but isn't the 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 objection of the prosecutor is to get, to get a conviction? So I think in front of that grand jury, they're going to try to to present enough evidence, compelling evidence, that the grand jury says... Yeah, we think you've got a probable winning cause. case. There's probable, there's probable, probable cause. cause. That's all they're looking for. And the standards are probable cause. And, and at the end of the day, isn't it the prosecutor's job to convince the jury beyond a reasonable doubt that chat room Jeff sure. did something guilty? I completely agree with that. Okay, so Except that who's paying that prosecutor? Especially people. in a federal case. Yeah, the people. So why are we wasting a bunch of federal money on cases that, as we're going to find out here in the Cayley case... We might yeah. not be that strong yeah, a case. I, yeah, I mean, one of their co-defendants was basically tried acquitted in three acquitted hours. In, yeah, right. Two years of investigation, a private secret grand jury trial, ex parte, where they freeze the assets of these people so that they can't afford or pay for counsel, effective or otherwise, which is an argument I'd love to have. But after two years, the government knows who's representing those people. Right? Right. They know who these guys' attorney are because they've had to deal with them along the way. Well, I don't want to deal with those people. we, we got a solution to that. <laughs> we'll just make it so well, they can't afford Does this not them. creep anybody else out, especially with the idea that well, now... Obviously, now I, I was creeped out the last time we recorded this. So <laughs> now we've got situations here where we can have anonymous tips. Hey, a side guy driving a blue SUV with a woman wearing pink down the street. I think he's up to something. Yeah. That's that's a that's a that's a witch hunt. That's a, is that it? Open, is but it? it? But it opens up a big, huge can of worms. Right. It, there's. I, well, I, I mean, they probably could. You know, a grand jury probably could have gotten you indicted on your brother's death. They could. They could produce. Who's not dead? By the way, I want to be clear. He's not. He's <laughs> well, not dead. Well, but if I he did were, shoot him, but he's not dead. If he <laughs> were, they could produce evidence that say. Well, you know, the BB launched and it caused damage to the blood vessels and that led to but this they, and that led well, to they, that. Well, isn't, isn't the joke about you can actually indict a ham sandwich if you yeah. wanted to? Yeah. 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 Well, there's a great scene. Uh, you were talking about Law & Order. There's a great scene I remember from Law & Order where you know, Sam Waterston was still on it. And he's saying, I'm, you know, do what I tell you. He's arguing to a jury and he says, do what I tell you or I can indict you. I'll indict you. I can do it. I'm the DA. Do what I tell you or I'll get you in jail. If I want to, I can do it. I'm the DA. And his argument was because he was going against another DA who was behaving wrongly. But that was basically his argument. Hey, the DA, I can do whatever the heck I want. Remember, kids, an indictment is not a conviction, but that doesn't mean that it won't mess up your life.
particularly if the government can spend years investigating you and pursuing its case, and then freeze all of your assets. All right, despite the high-running passions and throwdown during the break here, <laughs> we've reached that segment of the show, I guess, where we talk about lessons we've learned from this. There were still some other things that I, I'm concerned about with this. Speedy and, and as we've learned in the past, and is a mathematical term, which means you have to have both. Right. Speedy and public grand juries are secret. It's not a trial. I get that. I understand it's, a, it's not it, a trial. I, I understand that. Words mean things. You always said that speedy and public But if trial. we're going to say at that private ex parte part of the process that, oh, we're going to take away your ability to have well, effective well, counsel. Well, yeah, I that mean, becomes the question is, can we, should the grand jury then become uh, pre-trial motions? I, that think have it, both? I think it, I think it should. I mean, to use your example, you, you say it's not a trial. You're correct. It's not a trial, but you know, you're having a, you know, a track race with somebody. And before the, before the race begins, they, tie your legs together and attach a 50 pound weight to your back. Well, the race hasn't started yet, so it's not the race. But when that starter's gun goes off, you're a lot more hampered. But doesn't the results of the grand jury have to be disclosed to the defense upon um upon the start of the trial? So well, they're told yeah, they're, the they're defense, told yeah. so so the defense basically has to transfer They're going to get from the trans, yeah, right. They're going to get everything. Just like when, you know, a certain person was importing Russian firearms from through the New Jersey mob to the California triad gangs to guard their outdoor environmentally unsound marijuana grows and using the profits and some of those guns to help the MILFs. Not what you think in the Philippines to kidnap and torture Chinese tourists. You know, we got a 137 page indictment for that. So yeah, we know what the grand jury is told. We know what the court's been told, but again, what if there's exculpatory evidence that they didn't put in that indictment or before that grand jury that, the guy that's accused of doing all that was, you know, maybe, I don't know, in a wheelchair or in a rest home or something. Maybe he was, uh, maybe he was on vacation in the Philippines because he loves it over there for that whole time but, and couldn't have done that. But here's the other thing. What, what then takes a defendant or a potential defendant or somebody under investigation who has counsel at, at, the, prime, at the grand jury what says that he doesn't take a permanent vacation in some place that doesn't? So, so now all of a sudden you're warning the guy up front that we're going to go after you, but we can't legally hold you. So then all of a sudden he flips to Belize and gets lost in the rainforest. Well, they, you could. Again, I personally would not have an issue with an ex parte hearing to freeze the assets temporarily just to prevent that from happening. But then you go before the judge and the judge says, because we do that all the time. There's temporary orders and permanent orders. And you get the temporary order because it's an emergency. we got to have, like, child custody right now. But at the time that you get a notice of being of your assets being frozen, you know something's up. Right, but you have no assets. Well, who says that everybody keeps their money in the bank? Fair point, fair point. You know, I mean, a lot of these people, you know, keep cash in their in their mattresses, and all of a sudden they're... Well, then... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm even going to ask how you know that. <laughs> I'm referencing 30s Bugs Bunny cartoons, yeah. But who knows are that they're you, not... Jeff, are you really referencing 30s? 
um, who says that these people won't go well, catch a train or, okay. or, or hitchhike across the border so, or something like that. I mean, if, to tr- if you're tipping off somebody right, up front, I, I see where you're going, but if, if that's the answer, then my question would to you would be how many of your constitutional rights are you willing to give up to prevent a few defendants from getting away? I understand your point and, and it's a valid one, but I'm just, how many, how many, how many rights are we giving up to not let people know that they're not being uninvestigated? Well, and and that's a question that I wanted to ask too, because again, how long can the government investigate me considering now that as we've learned over the past weeks, months, days, pretty much we're always being watched. Now our calls are being recorded slash metadata we got TV cameras everywhere here in town. You you know, you just walk downtown, just walk downtown and behave in an in an bizarrely unusual manner and see what happens. Right. Between public and private right. cameras, they're all over the place. You, know, you got GPS on your phone. I mean, you make a phone call, they're going to know where you're at. So, I mean, not if your GPS is turned off. My GPS is turned off, but when I make a phone call, it pings the cell tower. Right, true. The, the, you, you, we've reached a point now in society where you can't deposit more than $300 cash in your bank account without having to explain that at some point. Well, especially so, if it's in 20s and 5s well, and 10s. <laughs> let me give you an example. I'm, I'm a dollar bill saver. For years, I've done this. I don't spend dollar bills. It's not so much now because of the debit card things and all that, but in the old days... Uh, it was not unusual for me in, in you know, March, April, somewhere in there is when I would go on vacation every year, because that's when I could do it, to, to walk into the bank with $2,000 and $1 bills and deposit it in my account. Now I'm told that if I did that now and I wanted to buy a house, I wouldn't be able to because they would, they, they would want to know what you're laundering money. Right. No, I'm not. Well, did your brother give it to you? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Well, and I suppose a counter to your question about, you know, if we tip off this guy, he's going to run to Belize would be most of the guys that are going to run are going to know they're under investigation right. anyway. I mean, they're going to be connected. They're going to have a bug out bag. They're going to know. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you're doing something kind of bad like that anyway, you're, you're already know that you kind of know that you're doing something against the law and you've probably got, would you call it a bug out bag? Yeah. Uh, I've never heard that. It's kind of cool. Well, but yeah, again, I mean, the Constitution isn't designed to protect, you know, necessarily to be, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, you know, sometimes protecting the constitutional rights of the innocent does mean that some of the scumbags get away with stuff, but right. which is more important, the, the scumbag or so what lessons, rights? So what lessons do we learn from this? What, what do we take, what do each of us take from this? Well, for one, you're right. We should have talked about this last time instead of, of what we talked about. All of that was a good discussion. This really is the issue in this case. Jeff? That I need to have an attorney on <laughs> all the time? I, it, it just means to me that it's, um, it's a very slippery, slippery slope. That's hard for me to say. Um, on, on what can and can't be done and, and basically what the government is, in, in some cases, overreaching. I mean... I, I think in this case here, you, you do, as you said before, you run into a Fifth and a Sixth Amendment issue because you've, you know, you've frozen assets and and you've really, you've dragged this trial out, right? And and I think you know, in the, in the case of the Kayleys, I think it's, 
they kind of knew they were being investigated. Obviously, it sounds like they knew they were being investigated. So this wasn't a shock. I think the fact that they they're arguing that they can't get their own attorney is I don't know. We, we went down that path last. We went time, down that I path think. last time. So we'll, that's a different right. discussion for a different. Which day, we will but. also load up. The, you know, the alternate version of this will be available to you on the website at constitutionthursday.com. Uh, but it won't be the official. It won't be the canonical version of this. How's that? It'll be uh, the apocryphal. The words way <laughs> here. Let me duck so that goes over my head easier. <laughs> the subset to this so it's it it'll be a constitution thursday episode that's like the uh it's like star trek the animated series you know it's it's star trek but it's, but not. it's not yeah <laughs> that's what gene roddenberry said about. <laughs> the lessons i take from this are are multiple but here's the big one and that is that too many americans don't know how this system works i i would doubt most congress people even know how this works it's u.s code that means congress writes the laws i would bet most state, state senators don't know how it works or even care for that matter. Um, there's a reason why most states don't use this system. And I think that that reason is because of that, that ex parte secret element of it that just doesn't sit well with me. I, I don't, it's not unconstitutional. That's not what I'm saying. The grand jury is authorized by the Constitution, but then again, so is uh, the right to keep and bear arms, as well as, and, and you know, other rights as well as along the way. I mean, there's nothing in there that says we can't have a U.S. bank, so we have a U.S. bank. There's nothing in there that says what a grand jury is supposed to be. And I think as we go through the history of the grand jury code and how those things were, I, don't, I just can't imagine that along the way, people who spent their whole lives fighting against the Star Chamber, fighting against the, the abuses of the king in, in the sense of the Tower of London and just the, the writ of habeas corpus has got to come into here somewhere, would be all that excited about a system where, hey, we've invested, we've followed this guy around for two, three, five, ten years, and now we're going to get it. And to that degree, doesn't Shrimp Boy Chow have kind of an argument here? I mean, how long are they going to follow this guy? For his entire life? Well, wasn't he already indicted? He was, but he was already a criminal. He got out yeah. of jail. He was, and I'm not defending him. Don't, don't go there. But, I mean, really, how long do we follow this guy? Well, as long as he's he's doing something that would pique the interest of of law, I mean, well, right, but well, but, but if, what piques the interest of law if they're how is the they, next criminal isn't, isn't yeah, necessarily exactly. probable big, cause? Yeah. Well, or how do they know he's doing something to pique their interest if they're not watching him twenty four seven? Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Exactly my point. <laughs> and there's a lot of there's a lot of meat here, and uh, it's one of those things that maybe we ought to spend some time looking into. I guess. In the future, the Constitution Thursday, the Saturday podcast is, uh, well, we have a lot of fun doing it. You can check us out online at constitutionthursday.com. The email address, if you have any complaints, questions, or comments, podcast at, or yeah, podcast at constitutionthursday.com. And the live show, too, coming up. Live show coming up, uh, unless you're listening to this outside of the timeline, June 11th. Yep. At the Turlock VFW Hall. I don't have the address in front of me, but. Check out our website, Constitution Thursday. We'll have more information on that coming up a little later. I'm Dave. I'm Pat. I'm Jeff. And Sixth Amendment, folks. Enjoy it. It's your right because you may not have it much longer if it keeps going this way. Constitution Thursday, the Saturday podcast is a Slippery Fish Entertainment production.
Copyright 2014. To comment or complain, email podcast at constitutionthursday.com or go to www.constitutionthursday.com.